<laughs> Good morning. Uh, today's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis. Uh, it's the entirety of chapter 32, and we will go up to chapter 33, verse 4. Uh, on your pew Bibles, it's conveniently at page number 32 and 33. So uh, here goes. Jacob prepares to meet Esau. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is the camp of God. So he named that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, This is what you are to say to my master Esau. Your servant Jacob says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maid servants. Now I am sending this message to my Lord, that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and four hundred men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought, if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and will make, you and, and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau. Two hundred female goats and twenty male goats, two hundred evies and twenty rams, thirty female camels with their young, forty cows and ten bulls, and twenty female donkeys and ten male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, each herd by itself and said to his servants, Go ahead of me, and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you, and asks, To whom do you belong, and where are you going, and who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you are to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is coming from behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed the herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him, and be sure to say, Your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later, when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. 
So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Jacob looked up, and there was Esau, coming with his four hundred men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. He put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children next, and Rachel and Joseph in the rear. He himself went on ahead and bowed down to the ground seven times as he approached his brother. But Esau ran to meet Jacob and embraced him. He threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. Then they wept. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for uh, your word and the message that your word always contains, the message that inspires us and transforms us daily. I want to take this opportunity to pray for uh, Neil as he comes up and as he preach, as he preaches. Lord, fill him with your power and the Holy Spirit and speak through him. And for us, let us have hearts that listen and a conviction to obey. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you, Atish. Uh, Once you get to know people like Atish, you realize the family of God is big. Uh, A lovely man from Nepal that we've had the pleasure of getting to know. And uh, it gives you great faith in the future of the world when you meet people like Atish. Uh, Hardworking, kind, smart. Uh, So get to know him. He's a gift to us. And so I'm grateful uh, for him to read scripture here this morning. As you know, when you are preaching, you spend a lot of time uh, looking into the word and looking at other YouTube videos and other sermons and writing in commentaries. And you get a lot. Uh, You get a lot that week. I'm just going to share a half hour with you. But you you get so much more yourself. And so I'm grateful for the opportunity to do this. And I'd also to say that I'm preaching mostly to myself here today. Um, as I contemplate uh, the story of Jacob, uh, especially Jacob's difficulty with his hips. I, I had hip arthritis early in life and had both of my hips replaced. And I, I recognize that, that limp that dear old Jacob had for the rest of his life after he wrestled so much with God. So this story has always kind of resonated with me. But as I have gone into it more deeply, it resonates with me even more. And so again, uh, I am preaching to myself. Uh, There's beautiful artwork that you'll see that tries to capture this idea of Jacob wrestling with God, and it has inspired many artists throughout time. Our central truth for today's message is this, and I know I told Pastor Mark that he would get a a bonus, uh, and Bruce and I have been investing in this, if if the central truth was six words or less, but I really found it was hard to get our teaching idea less than six words today. So uh, this is what I would like us to contemplate today. Wrestling with God can hurt, but the pain can lead to a profound change in us, allowing reconciliation of broken relationships. And that's my real prayer for us to contemplate today, the, the reconciliation of broken relationships. Now, I must admit that this, is, this would be a picture of me when I was, it's not, but it could have been a picture of me when I was about seven. Uh, and there was, uh, on Saturday afternoons, there was a wrestling show, and it was called Northwest Wrestling. And I would watch it at, at my home on a little black and white television in the basement. 
and it went from 12 to 1 o'clock. And my friend would watch the same wrestling show, and then we would come over and we would wrestle the cushions of our Chesterfield in the basement. And we put them in headlocks and throw them down and smash them into each other and come over the top rope on them, uh, a, genu- a genuine a fiesta of wrestling. Um, so I, I do I declare that wrestling has been something that I've kind of been interested in my whole life. Here's just another, another picture of wrestling. Now, the, the title of today's talk is Wrestling with God. I don't want you to take too much of this as you see my son here approaching me. Now, as in our story today, you know, God could have taken Jacob down very quickly. I could have taken my son down very quickly there. And the fact that he prevailed over me, uh, well, it was because I was so nervous that he was going to dislocate my hips, that you become very stiff uh, when you wrestle with somebody. Uh, But it's just, I thought it was a fun, a very fun video to share. So wrestling is amongst the most face-to-face of sports. Uh, And it's a very real sport. There's no ball. There's no racket. Uh, It's face-to-face. If you've ever watched uh, the the, the very controversial mixed martial arts uh, wrestling matches that occur in a cage, this is real face-to-face combat. It's very interesting because these people have tremendous respect for each other and then go out and just all-out war. So wrestling is this real skin-on-skin intimate sweat on sweat, oh my goodness experience. But let's be honest, our lives are full of struggle. They really are. This is as a consequence of original sin. Uh, After the Garden of Eden experience, Adam was told, in your life you're going to struggle from now on. You're going to struggle with the earth, you're going to struggle relationships, you're going to struggle in work, you're going to have struggle from now on. Our first struggle is really just with ourselves. We struggle with our internal relationships. We struggle with our temperament. We struggle with anger. We struggle with addictions. Uh, We struggle so often on the inside. Anxiety, pride, all of these things are internal. Just me struggling with me. And then often leads to more me struggling with me. Self-loathing, self-doubt, guilt, shame. Our first relational problem is with ourselves. God says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And so many of us loathe ourselves. And it's easy to do that from time to time. But we also have to admit we do struggle with others. Life is full of relational conflict. 50% of marriages or more, despite the beautiful vows, end in divorce. Struggle. Relational struggle. Fractured relationships characterize us as the human race. How many folks do you know that are estranged from somebody, even in their family? And how sad that is. Maybe it's you. The Bible talks about these things. So discord, rage, anger, divisions, factions, talks about these as being the deeds of the flesh, our human earthly nature not having been redeemed by the Spirit. So we struggle with relationships. 
The story from Genesis today, again, we look at deceitfulness. The deceitfulness of Jacob, we'll reflect on that a bit, uh, caused great estrangement even in the family unit. Brother, father, mother, sister. So we struggle with ourselves. We struggle with other people. And the ultimate struggle, the struggle is between God and us. Fundamentally, the struggle with God is, I'm going to do it his way, or I'm going to do it my way. Ultimately, Frank Sinatra is the the biggest rebel in his song, I Did It My Way. So many of us love that, the music of that song. But that's really the song of the unrepentant, isn't it? I did it my way. Will we surrender our will and serve God as opposed to serving ourselves? So our story today from Genesis 32, this ancient book, we sang the song Ancient Words, and we're going back to the very beginning, describes the amazing struggle between Jacob and himself, Jacob and his family, and then ultimately his struggle, skin to skin, face to face, sweat to sweat, with God. Now, I also have to admit that I did have a brief period where I really enjoyed the World Wrestling Federation. Forgive me, I'm confessing it. Uh, But when you read this, and that's uh, Randy the Macho Man Savage, if you were wondering, uh, who I believe has actually passed away just recently, Um, and then Mean Gene, the famous interviewer. Uh, Again, I don't want to reflect too much about myself. You may have no more respect for me as I contemplate these characters. But they really were characters, weren't they? They were playing out this drama of good and evil, and they were acting, and a bunch of people who took a lot of drugs to make themselves really big and strong. But it was quite a show. It was kind of a wacky show. And at first reading, this story of Jacob wrestling with God, it seems like a World Wrestling Federation episode. So we have... These kind of crazy stories. It's an all-night wrestling match with an anonymous opponent. Neither guy knows the other guy's name. There's a dislocated hip, and then this guy with a dislocated hip tries to leverage a blessing from the other guy. It just seems like it's kind of crazy fantasy. But man, once you dig into this story from Genesis 32 and a little bit from 33, there's lots there. There's lots there for us right now, and I'd like us to consider it. Let's get rid of Randy the Macho Man Savage. The driving conflict here in this story is the estrangement between brothers. It's a sad estrangement, but all of us who live in families know how vulnerable families can be. And I think it's probably more common than not that we do have some estrangement in families. So Genesis 27 tells us that Esau was so hurt and angry at his brother Jacob that he was going to kill him. That's estrangement. I'm going to kill you. If I ever get my hands on that guy again, he's dead. Wow. Talk about family estrangement. So our question is, are are you, am I, are we experiencing any estrangement right now? Factions, divisions, fractured relationships. Are you being affected by another person's in your family's fractured relationship? Why can't the kids just get along? What caused the division? 
Sometimes you go back into these family feuds and it's just like, I don't even know what caused it. Was it something you did? It was something I did? Have we asked for forgiveness? Have we repented? Have somebody in our family hurt us and then not asked for forgiveness? If they have asked for forgiveness, have we neglected to forgive them? How do these things perpetuate? How do they keep going? In Jacob's case, he had acted very deceitfully to his family, very selfishly, clearly a provocateur trying to get his own blessing, get his own way, even egged on by his mother, as you read earlier in Genesis. Kind of weird why his mother would have done that, stirred up this difficulty. The theologians have lots of ideas in why that may have been. Esau himself also acted a little irresponsibly. If you remember the story, Jacob swindled him out of two things, his birthright and his blessing. The birthright was swindled in exchange for a bowl of stew. So Esau really hadn't acted responsibly with his birthright. He's got a little bit of of skin in this game. So who was Jacob? That's a reasonable question for us to, to answer. So the word Jacob actually means deceiver or usurper or manipulator. It's not a very nice name to be known as the deceiver. Yet Jacob was one of the patriarchs of our faith. It's frequently referred to as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Multiple times in scripture, we hear that specific quote. Jacob's one of the three patriarchs. But his name actually means deceiver, supplanter. We are taught that he grabbed his brother's heel as he was being born, already grappling. Inside the womb, these two twins were fighting. Jacob had the amazing experience of the stairway to heaven dream, where he saw access to heaven and angels. And he was given essentially the same Abrahamic covenant. From you, Jacob, the whole world will be blessed, and, and you will have too many descendants to number. Wow. He used deception to take advantage of his brother and his father. You remember that crazy story of putting on animal skins to fool his father into being his brother Esau? And dear old Esau, memorialized forever as being super hairy. Would you like to be known in the Bible as being the hairiest guy around? Yet, you know, Isaac, even though he was skeptical, was fooled and gave Jacob the blessing. So Jacob's actions, deceit, selfishness, self-righteousness, a lack of respect, caused great dissension in the family to the point where his brother wanted to kill him. Jacob, encouraged by his mom to flee, went to another country, and there he met two wives, Rachel and Leah. His own selfish actions had poisoned his relationships. So, in the context of Genesis 32, Jacob is heading back to his family of origin and found himself in great fear and distress. You might say that Jacob had an awful lot of baggage in his life. 
It's a common term we use when people have lots going on that's negative. Jacob is going to be facing his, his brother, in Genesis 32 tells us, 400 angry soldiers that Esau has coming back to him. Listen to Genesis 32, 5 to 8. So Jacob says, Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. He's reaching out, trying to tell, see what's happening with his brother Esau. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. In verse 7, it says, In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and the herds and the camels as well. He thought if Esau attacks one group, at least the other group that is left may escape. So he's in great fear and he's very distressed. So the prominent feature of who Jacob really is, is a selfish person. He's a selfish person. He relies too much on himself. He wants to get God's blessing, but he doesn't do it the right way. He fools people, deceitful tricks. His actions have caused him great trouble now. 400 people at the hand of his brother to kill him. Finally avenge the stealing of the birthright and the blessing. Who is Jacob? His name means deceiver. Question. Who are you? Who am I? Who are you? Who am I? How would you like to be known as your name, as your most prominent sin? How would you like that? I'm the deceiver. I'm Jacob. Hi, my name's Greedy. Nice to meet you. This is my friend Lustful, and this is his brother Proud. Could you imagine that what, what people know you by in the community is your greatest sin? That was Jacob's world. So Jacob, the deceiver, the manipulator. The other thing that Jacob teaches us, my friends, is that God will use even people who have so many issues to fill his objectives, to make his desires. God uses broken people. So if you are broken, if I am broken, you can still be used. Jacob is going to be used, even though it seems to us, man, he was a scoundrel. Why would God have picked him? So we're going to learn a bit more as we go into the wrestling match. If we have a little summary of where we are before the wrestling match. So we have Jacob in great peril. The consequences of his actions. He's going to be killed. 400 soldiers are coming for him. He's in fear. He's in distress. He's having existential concerns. I got to divide up all this stuff. Oh my goodness, I am in trouble. Can you relate? Can you relate to the existential concerns? So I have told you before from the pulpit that I am a hypochondriac. Every little bump on my skin is skin cancer. And I'm also a catastrophist. Things are going to go terribly. I just know they are. It seems hard to shake that. I think they're from my family of origin. 
but I have them in my, in my heart. And so if there's trouble at the clinic or there's trouble with a patient, this is, the, this, this is awful. Trouble at church, this will never, will never, will never survive. Yet, that's what Jacob was feeling, I imagine here. Oh my goodness, I am in for it. He is in for it. So, what about the stage for our match? We'll look at Genesis uh, 32, 6, 7, 11, and 24 as we go through the stage. So, Jacob is alone. The scripture clearly teaches us that he was now on the other side of the Jabbok River, alone, by himself. And God is going to come to him when he's alone. I think there's something there for us. Jacob is also afraid. Clearly describes him as being afraid. Who wouldn't be if he knew what his brother had in store for him? Kind of this just difficulty Jacob was using people as human shields and decoys. And we decry that in modern warfare. But again, it just shows us this slippery nature of Jacob uh, and and his idea as, as a deceiver. Jacob prays as a last resort, and his prayer is, is actually a pretty good prayer when you think of it. I'm just going to read the prayer from, from Genesis 32, verse 9. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, Lord, you who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. Jacob was just following orders, going back to engage with Esau again. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. Jacob here is humble. I am unworthy. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan River, but now I have become two camps. The Lord has prospered him greatly during his time living with his mother's brother. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers and the children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper and make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. Jacob's prayer is a good prayer. He acknowledges who God is, the God of Isaac and Abraham. He is humble. He acknowledges God's blessing, again, despite despite his duplicitousness, his deception. He asks for practical help. Here's the situation, Lord. I need your help. We can all learn from this prayer. And then he acknowledges God's promises. It's a good prayer. But Jacob then resorts to bribery right away, which shows us he doesn't really trust God to answer his prayer. Here, I'll send my brother Esau all this stuff, camels and goats, and maybe that will assuage his anger and his vengeance. And it says in verse 19 to, to 20, And you say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, Your servant Jacob is coming behind us, for he thought I will pacify him with all these gifts, camels, goats that I'm sending along. So now we come to the wrestling match. From Genesis 32, 24 to 26. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When man saw that he could not overpower him, Jacob, 
He touched the socket of Jacob's hip. So the hip, hip was wrenched. Some translations say dislocated. As he wrestled with the man. The man said, let me go for it is daybreak. So the first thing we know, this is a long match. This is not two out of three falls. This is a long wrestling match. It seems that they wrestle all night long. Wow. Do you think God could have not finished things off quickly? Come on. This is the God who made the universe. It would be easy to take care of Jacob. Why was the match drawn out so long, all night long? One answer is God must enjoy wrestling with us. God must enjoy wrestling with us. We said that wrestling is skin to skin, sweat to sweat, face to face. I think that's what God wants. He wants that in us, this intensity of relationship. I have in my journal, I looked at it again this morning uh, from an entry of 2010. It was the first year of the Louis Riel holiday. It was a Monday in February. And uh, my son was really just going through puberty. He was getting stronger. The same guy who saw so mercilessly throw snow in my face. And Sam and I had a wrestling match. And it was really the first time that, wow, Sam could beat me now. He's getting pretty strong. But we wrestled. And we laughed. And I just, I'm not sure if he enjoyed it, but I loved it so much. Just being in the embrace of my son. It was wrestling, but I took it as an embrace. And to God, clearly this match with Jacob, like, you're a fly. He must have enjoyed it. Wrestling with this person. Like, hate is not the opposite of love. Indifference is. The opposite of wrestling with God is just walking away, turning your back on him. Many theologians believe that this wrestling match is an example of a a Christophany, this non-physical, pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus. Many theologians think about this being Jesus wrestling. We know from our own scripture, it says that Jacob wrestled with God, so it's clearly God. But is it Jesus? Is it actually God, Jacob wrestling with Jesus? And many people believe that it is. People talk about Melchizedek being another example of this manifestation of Jesus in the Old Testament. It does give us a a hint of Jesus' actions. So Jesus essentially feigned weakness to go to the cross for us. Jesus didn't have to go to the cross. He was able to heal and stop nature and stop storms and calm the waters. He could have he healed the the ear of the Roman soldier. He could have just banished them all. But he feigned weakness on his journey to the cross for us. There's something here, I think, for us to consider. So the match is long. But Jacob is badly injured, yet persists in this relentless pursuit for God's blessing. Jacob is relentless, despite a dislocated hip. Now, I know a bit about dislocated hips. 
They're brutal injuries that require a lot of violence. And they always cause a permanent impairment after the fact. They're very hard to put back into joint. They require a lot of force to relocate. And they're exceptionally painful. So is there significance to this idea of Jacob having a dislocated hip or a wrenched hip? So the hip muscles are the strongest and biggest in our our body. The gluteus maximus is the biggest, most powerful muscle you've got. Yet with one touch, out of joint. Huh. The power of this man that Jacob was wrestling with was substantial. It shows the power of his opponent. Yet Jacob, despite having his hip dislocated, I'm not giving up. I am going to wrestle you to the mat God or whoever you are, how long? Until you bless me. We are going to wrestle until you bless me, God. Wow. Question for us. Can we persist this wrestling we have with God? God, how are you allowing this to happen? God, how could you do this to a church? How could you do this to independent people? How could we have to wait so long for a family to come, for another family to come? Why is this happening? These questions we have, legitimate questions so often. We need to persist until we get God's blessing. The match is long. Jacob is badly injured, yet persists until he gets God's blessing. But his very identity has changed. His very identity has changed. Verse 27, the man asked him, what is your name? Do you think God didn't know Jacob's name? God made Jacob, had been with Jacob every day of his life, was using Jacob to bring to us eventually Jesus through the line of Jacob and his descendants to bless the entire world? Do you think God didn't know the answer to his question? God wanted Jacob to declare the answer to the question, Who are you? I am the deceiver. Huh. Huh. What is your name? Jacob, the deceiver, the man answered. Then the man, the God, said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him. There. Jacob gets his blessing. It's a very strange question from God. What is your name? And again, I want you to reflect on that. If Jacob was known as the sin that characterized him, what would your name be? What would my name be? I think mine would probably be Neil the Anxious. Neil the one who doesn't trust God. I think that would be my name. Jacob got his father's blessing through deception, lying about his very identity, right? Tricked his father. But something was always missing for dear old Jacob. God asks him who he is, and it's a confession. Yes, wrestling partner, I'm a deceiver. It reflects his character. 
God gives him a new identity. This is a story of the human's pursuit of blessing. Who are you? Who am I? What are we chasing? Just pause for a second and contemplate that. Who are you? What are you chasing? What are you pursuing? What am I pursuing? Admit who you really are. Are you willing to change? Am I willing to change? Jacob's very identity was changed. Are you willing to be changed by a struggle with the Almighty? I'm not going to change. you got to change. That's so often how we think. There are so many wonderful applications from this passage, and we'll just go through some of the applications now. And I'd like to tell you that I've reflected um, on two main sources. One is a great uh, podcast from Rick Warren, which really inspired me to uh, kind of do this particular talk. I love his little 20-minute podcasts. And then David Guzik is another uh, biblical scholar and preacher who I've relied on for many of these. And then there's a a third, uh, which is from Desiring God itself. So God blessed Jacob at the time of trial and testing. He was in a tough fight. That's good news for us. Are you in a trial right now? Are you going through a really tough time? Is broken relationships all around you? God's going to bless you at this time. He is blessed. Jacob is blessed when he's consciousness of weakness and in pain. Can you say amen to that? When we feel pain, when we feel weak, he clung to God in faith, clung to him. I am not letting go. If you think you've hurt, a dislocated hip is very, very painful. I'm not letting go until you bless me. Who won the wrestling match? The Bible actually says that Jacob won. You have overcome. In Hosea 12, it talks about him weeping and limping for the rest of his life. I don't think God limped or even had a scratch on him after the match. But it says Jacob won. And I guess it teaches us that you win when you wrestle with God. You you win by losing. You surrender. You take the change. Another thing that's a good application for us. Take note of this. Jacob wrestled with God at a night when he was dreading Esau's arrival. By himself, afraid, full of fear and desperation. Do you feel like that ever? I sometimes feel like that every week. Full of fear and desperation. But he ended the night of struggle with a renewed faith. Renewed faith. It's interesting that God just didn't speak to him in kind, comforting words, or a dream or a vision like he'd had before, the stairway to heaven dream. No, this was different. This time he addressed Jacob's fear and desperation by an all-night, to-the-match, skin-to-skin, face-to-face, sweat-to-sweat wrestling match. 
Huh. So, I want God's comfort, you want God's comfort, but sometimes it comes in unwanted and unexpected packages. It's not, I wasn't wrestling, are you kidding me? Yeah, wrestling. There are multiple blessings in wrestling with God. You may think you need soft words of comfort. I just need to be left alone with my thoughts. I, you may not need that good sleep tonight. You might not even need a healthy hip. I think what this is trying to teach us is that we need an intimate encounter with God, and he is not afraid to struggle with us. He is not afraid to struggle with us. But can we endure the struggle? So a good question for us right now is, what do you really want from God? What blessing do you want from him right now? How badly do you want it? There seem to be times when God only releases his blessing on us after a prolonged, painful encounter. Lord, how much more am I going to have to put up with this? This has been months. There'll be some burdens we have to bear our entire lives. If you have a disability or a, a medical problem that's not going away, or it seems you have this family estrangement that just no, but no one can seem to heal, I think we acknowledge that we, have these, we can have these struggles forever. Pastor Erwin McManus says, It's amazing how much we can endure when we are convinced there is a purpose for our struggle. Another application from this passage is the idea of vulnerability. Are you feeling vulnerable? If not, you should, because we are very vulnerable creatures. I went to the doctor on Monday, and I had a great checkup, and the next day I had a massive heart attack. How did that happen? We're vulnerable creatures. Jacob was vulnerable. 400 soldiers after him talk about vulnerable. God had just dislocated his hip. Oh my goodness, even more vulnerable to the point of limping the rest of his life. He's going to meet his brother tomorrow after a dislocated hip. Can you imagine how vulnerable he would be in that context? I have no strength of my own here. What's he going to do? He's going to rely on God to answer his prayer. We are all vulnerable. We have to acknowledge that. This tells us we're vulnerable. Bring the vulnerability to God. Another great application from this part of Scripture. Your identity. Are you a person who says, I can't change that part of myself? I'm sorry, I just can't change that. Many of us say that. Wrestling with God changed Jacob's entire identity. He was no longer to be known as one who received blessing through deception and duplicitousness. He received blessing through struggling with God all night long, despite pain. His tenacious faith was finally rewarded. So God calls us to a wrestling match, and there's probably more going on. Another lesson 
God pursues you. Scripture teaches us this. It actually teaches us that God will let the 99 saints have their huddle and chase the one scoundrel. And I think we need to remember that. But God will pursue us. God pursued Jacob for this encounter. Jacob was trying to get away from everybody. Jacob was stewing in his own stuff, his anxiety over the encounter to be coming with Esau. The wrestling drew Jacob out of his fear and forced him to focus on God. I think the last application is this idea that God will show up and God will meet you in your anguish, in your fear, in your uncertainty. And I'm clearly crying out personally to God for that right now. He may not meet you in the way you expect. Lord, I just want a good sleep tonight, comforting words and a pat on the back saying, Neil, you're a good guy. No. Skin to skin, face to face, oh my goodness. Wrestling with God. Your greatest ally may show up looking like an adversary, inciting you to wrestle with him. So be prepared to wrestle with God. Stay with him and don't give up. Don't give up until he blesses you. He loves you. He wants your faith to be tenacious. He wants it to be persistent. He wants it to be despite pain, anxiety, desperation. He wants you to be transformed. Don't let go until he blesses you. So, this is much more than a story of a wrestling match. We see the consequences of deception. We see estrangement between brothers. God pursues us in our fear and in our distress. Pain and struggle are associated with profound change, even the change of our identity. The picture here is of grappling with God in prayer for his blessing. God blessing us with answered prayer and healing our relationship. Esau runs to him and embraces him and kisses him. The man who was going to kill him, his heart has been changed. Wow, that's what we're after. We're after reconciliation amongst warring brothers. That's what we're after. Isn't that a beautiful picture? Weeping, kissing, reminds me of the prodigal son looking for the son to come back, the father constantly scanning the horizon for you and me, the scoundrels who've been out spending too much money. And when he comes back, the embrace, the kiss, the celebration, the best story in the whole Bible. What a beautiful story. Let's close in prayer. Lord, this story from thousands of years ago resonates with us today. We want to give thanks to you for the Word of God, the Old Testament, the New Testament, that preserves these stories. We are thankful we have freedom to read them and contemplate them. I thank you for so many scholars 
who freely put their work into the stratosphere and let us look at it and learn from it. Lord, we thank you for Jacob's willingness to wrestle with you all night to get your blessing. Lord, we are there. We would just so love to have your blessing in our vulnerability, in our pain, in our anxiety, in our desperation. Lord, Lord, let it be daybreak. Let us receive your blessing. We pray these things in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So Bethesda, I know we are vulnerable. I know some of us are anxious, are feeling in desperation. And we feel like we're struggling with God. Yet Bethesda, this scripture teaches us that that struggle with God is a good thing. It's a good thing. So continue in your struggle, Bethesda. We have good work yet to do. We have ENS yet to come. We have a move this very week that we need to, to make happen. And ask yourself the question, who am I? Who am I? And then ask yourself another question. Am I willing to engage in God with struggle? I see nodding. Amen. And then ask yourself another question. Am I willing to have my identity changed from the deceiver or from the proud or from the anxious to Israel, one who struggles with God and man and overcame? Let us be overcomers, Bethesda. Go in peace this week. Amen.